Alrighty, welcome to tonight's episode of Rightly Divide. Um, just to give you the heads up, or to remind you, John Feldhouse, um, he has a new segment called Epic Gnosis. And it was a really good episode. He talked about Isaac Newton and some facts about his life and how he was interested in theology and talked about God. And it was a really good episode. So honestly, if you didn't watch his episode yet, I'd watch his episode first before listening to this episode of Riley Divide. It was really good. I recommend watching it. But um, anyways, so tonight's episode of Rightly Divide, we're going to talk about when Christians say um, drinking's okay, drinking's fine as long as it's not in excess, drinking's fine because God understands because I have stressful days at work, so it just helps me calm down, um, et cetera, et cetera. So you probably heard different arguments concerning drinking. But um, we're, I can't go over all the scriptures concerning drinking in one episode out the do it in parts. Um, but it's funny, the Christians that have come to me and showed me the scriptures concerning drinking, why it's okay. Like other stuff, they won't look up. But all of a sudden, if you mention drinking, they become theologians and they're like, according to Lipschitz. Um, and they point all these scriptures and take them out of context. So I'm only going to go over three because it would take too long to go over more. But um, the first one is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. And the second one is going to be 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. And the last one will be John chapter 2. And that's probably the most important one. But um, Ephesians 5, 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So they'll stop there. They won't read on. And they'll say, see, excess. As long as you're not drinking in excess, you're fine. But you got to dig a little deeper because my question would be, if God speaks against drunkenness in Old Testament and New Testament, why would he say to this specific wrong, as long as you only do drink a little bit, you'll be fine? Because then he would then why wouldn't he go to the other sins and say, as long as you only still don't steal in excess, you know, just go for a pack of bubblegum or, you know, the Hershey bars that are only a dollar twenty five right now. Well inflation might, might be different, I don't know. But um oh yeah, just low level items, don't do it excessively, you'll be fine. Or if you're married, as long as you don't sleep around, you know, too much, don't do it excessively. But if you do excessively, that's wrong. No, that wouldn't make sense. So you have to look up that word excess. And if you look up the word excess, the Greek behind it, it means profiglacy. And it means a state of being abandoned in moral principle and in vice. So that definitely doesn't sound like the definition of excess. So it says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is profiglacy or you're you're in a state of being abandoned in moral principle and vice or you're a profligate so then i said to myself okay 
when are you considered drunk? And we all have our opinions. We can say, well, when you black out, that means you're for sure drunk. Or when you're when you're when you walk, you're tripping over yourself. That's when you're drunk. Oh, they're crying excessively and look depressed. That means they're drunk. Okay. We have to try to get a Bible answer. So I looked up the word drunk and it means intoxicate or intoxicated. So you might say, okay, well, that doesn't really help. Okay. So I looked up intoxicate. Then it led to the word inebriate. And you might say, okay, that doesn't help either. Well, to inebriate means to disorder the senses, to stupefy or to make furious or frantic. Now listen to this part. To produce effects like those of liquor, which are various in different constitutions. So that is really detailed and really important to us for listen to. Because you might say, well, I can drink and then I can drive. I can still see. I can still carry a conversation. I'm fine. Okay. But once you take that drink, and even if you're slightly different, that's considered drunk. Because if you've been around, either you drink yourself or you're around other people that drink, uh, drink alcohol you know that everyone takes alcohol differently. Um, it, it does them differently, if you want to say that phrase. Um, you know that some cry, some are this, some are that, okay? Whatever effect it is, it's considered drunk. Christians like to even say, well, I'm just a little buzzed, so I'm fine. The fact that you said that just proves that point, is you're different after. Whatever effect it is, you're different. That means you're drunk, and it's wrong. It's not good. Now, if you read that scripture, it says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And that last verse was verse 21. Okay, so Paul is saying, don't drink or don't, don't be drunk with wine. Get filled with the Spirit. Now, when you get filled with drunkenness or with, uh, you get drunk with wine, you're only bringing out the flesh. It just makes you more carnal. That's why when you go to a party without, where alcohol is involved, they talk different. Uh, they might start saying things they wouldn't normally say or start saying bad things, whatever, or start doing things. But when you're filled with the Spirit, there's a sign that you are. And being filled with the Spirit is even better. And it, verse 19, 20, 21 um, shows proof that you're when you're filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is even better because there's no bad effects. There's no hangovers. There's no throwing up. There's no bad effects. It's even better. It's like good for you. You you. It's just overall, it's better for you for, to be filled with the Spirit. And when you know when someone's being filled with the Spirit more because you just see more spiritual effects, spiritual-related things, spirituality. 
So I can keep going with that, but I'll move to the next one. It's um, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. And this one's pretty quick, but it says, Drink no longer water, but use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. So Paul says, okay, um, yeah, Timothy, get this wine and do this for your stomach. Okay. The Christians that come up to me and say this, they go, see, this is, drinking is okay. So then my question to them would be, so are you drinking because you have medical problems? And... A hundred percent of the time, it's no, I don't have medical problems. So then I just say, okay, so that doesn't apply to you. So moving on to John chapter two. See, I told you that one was quick. I actually wanted to make time for this one because it's almost a whole chapter. So John chapter two, it says in the beginning was the, oh, sorry, that was for chapter one. Uh, and the third day, there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, containing three or two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast had tasted the water and was made that it was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which chew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom, and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Okay. So um, I just want to read the whole thing so we can get context here. So the other argument I hear is, oh yeah, Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus drank wine. A very, very lazy argument. So let's go to John chapter 2. I read the whole thing, but I'm going to pick out certain parts. Okay. So you might say, okay, he was at a wedding where there was um, wine, like t intoxicating wine, not just like grape juice. Because it, you have to keep in mind in the Bible that wine is used for both. It's uh, in Hebrew, it's yayin. I can't remember for the Greek, but um, the word wine in the Bible is used for both regular just grape juice and then intoxicating wine. So that's, I wish there was a sep separate word for it, but unfortunately, that's just the way it is. It's used for both. Um, both. So that's why you got to really read the context. And so you might say, well, he's at a wedding where there is wine. So that there, you know, he has to prove a wine because he's there at a marriage with wine. Okay. Jesus wanted to reach out to the world and to sinners and preach the good news. So it's not a stretch of the mind to say, okay, or a theology to say, okay, 
it makes sense he would be at a wedding even though there was people getting drunk because he wanted to go to sinners to preach the good news. So it's not it's not a bad thing that he's there. He wants to he was invited to a wedding and he wants to, you know, show himself <clears throat> and you know be at places where he can preach the good news and whatnot. Or do a miracle in this case. Um, in this case, at verse 12, it says his disciples believed on him after doing this miracle. So something good came out of it. But anyways, so Mary comes up to him and says, oh, they need wine. Okay, so this is where we need to get a little detailed here. All right, so to make wine, like intoxicating wine, you need the right temperature you need grapes. There, there, there's a few things that you need. Jesus didn't use any, like he used, he didn't even use anything that's involved in making wine. He literally just got water. So that should help against the argument in and of itself that he didn't use any of the ingredients that you need to make intoxicating wine. So all he needed was pots and water. Okay. So, he changes the water into wine. So now here's where someone might say, see, it has to be wine because of what this guy said. So he said, this guy says in verse 10, one of the people at the wedding says, in, uh, verse 10, and saith unto him, or the governor of the feast, it says, and saith unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine till now. Okay. Again, it's not a stretch of theology or stretch of the mind to say, okay, let's just say there was intoxicating wine there. Is it possible to entertain the idea that Jesus made such a good wine that wasn't intoxicating, that it was so good that they said, man, this is pretty good. Now, it's possible that there were drunk people there. So once they drank this good wine, they probably didn't even realized it wasn't intoxicating wine, but Jesus made such a good wine. They're like, man, this, it, it stood out. Now, it's my personal opinion because it doesn't say here, so you don't have to take this for fact. But it's my personal opinion that he did this miracle not only for his disciples to believe on, uh, that caused them to believe, but it's also to show himself. Jesus talks about... Um, not putting new wine into old wineskins, that um, that story that he was trying to teach about, that you don't put uh, new wine in old wineskins and old wine in new wineskins, um, something like that. So I believe he was just showing something of himself, a spiritual thing that that I'm introducing a new type of wine. Here, Here's some wine, that really good wine. That wasn't intoxicating. Here's a good wine. And this is going to show the new wine that I'm going to introduce. I'm going to show you, you know, that I'm, I'm the bread. I am the life. I am the shepherd. I'm the new one. Like stuff like that. It, uh, the Bible doesn't say him quoting, Jesus quoting, I'm the new wine. But he uses that parable though about the new wine. So. Um, which we know that spiritually that new wine 
is a lot better than um, any alcohol here. Like it's good, spiritually speaking. When Jesus did miracles, it wasn't just like some people just see the miracles like that's awesome. But a lot of, if not 100% of them had a spiritual meaning behind it too. Like to teach something. There was a connection even in the Old Testament. And um, to finish off with that, um, with this last scripture, why would God speak against drunkenness in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and just say, go to this wedding, Jesus, Jesus, go to this wedding and just throw it out there. Like, hey, hey, go on ahead. Here's the wine. Like, keep on going. It's like, no, God doesn't do that. That's like him. That's like him preaching against stealing. And then he's promoting it like, hey, you know, I'll help you steal. <laughs> or um, like if you're sleeping around, sleep uh, sex before marriage. It's like, you know, you're a guy. And he's like, hey, here's some girls, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, or guys if it's opposite. But anyways. I'm going to end right there, but um, if you disagree with what I said, then you can put it um, on Facebook or you can put it in the comments, and you can try to show me scriptures to justify drinking, but um, what you think is justifying it, um, but anyways, have a good night, God bless you, and I will see you Wednesday on the next episode of Verity Talk. 